but the second part of her healing is to help her to catch up and and restore what was stolen from her over all those years. Never give up and keep searching for answers and remember that the brain can change itself. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik and you're listening to Learning Capacity. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast, improving student learning outcomes with educational neuroscience since 1999. If you're looking for science-based language, learning and reading programs for your school or child, visit learnfasthome.com.au. One of the great things about this podcast is that I often get to speak with people whose lives have been turned around, either by witnessing or experiencing the brain's incredible ability to change itself. Sometimes, this is on the back of seriously traumatic experiences. And whilst it may be an individual person who has undergone the transformation, it's easy to forget the impact that this can have on the families along the way. This episode tells a story that defies the odds. It involves years of illness, crushing diagnoses by doctors, and miraculous recovery. And it also involves the Fast for Word programs, a neuroscience-based program used for both remedial learning and learning enhancement. Given the nature of the details involved, I'll be referring to my guest today only as Esther, which is her real name, and her children. Esther, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Both your children have been using a Fast for Word for some time now, but let's start with the story of your daughter. She became quite ill with pneumonia, which then also led on to some other complications. Can you walk us through that? Yes, my daughter um, had had pneumonia several times and had a particularly bad bout of it um, and then all of a sudden started um, having grand mal seizures, which are very frightening for a seven-year-old. Um, and she then had to go on some very heavy sedative medication to bring the seizures under control, Um, and she was just not retaining any information that she was learning, and we were going backwards very quickly. Um, Yeah, it was definitely a really frightening time for all of us, and we felt like things were spiralling out of control faster than we could keep up with them. Was there any indication that something was was up or did the, the, the pneumonia just appear out of nowhere? Uh, was actually born three months early um, and premies often have problems with their lungs um, and it was something that we, we knew about from spending time in the neonatal intensive care unit. But saying that, usually by seven, things should have started improving, not getting worse. Um, and the particular pneumonia that she had was called mycoplasma pneumonia. And I believe that it started to affect part of her brain. Um, and that's why she started having the seizures. Although no specialist um, that we went to here or overseas could ever pinpoint it back to that. That was just mother's intuition. When you say that she was, or oh, this is a very hard thing for a seven-year-old to endure, you did mention that she had pneumonia several times. At, at what age did that start? Yeah, it's probably about, she was about five. And in between the ages of five and seven, she'd had pneumonia ten times. Ten times? Wow. Yes. So that's, uh, that would be incredibly intensive, I would imagine. And during that time, I would, I would assume that she missed a lot of school. Absolutely. She, more importantly, I think she missed most of the school from the age of seven to nine. Um, and she'd had pneumonia, you know, a lot when she was seven. And like I said, she had that particularly bad bout of it that was called mycoplasma. And 
then that led to the seizures that she was having and therefore she missed out on nearly two years of school in and out of hospital. Now, presumably that would have had some kind of impact on her overall general well-being. I mean, I'm just trying to get my head around how intensive that must have been. How did she cope with that in addition to the, uh, the, the lack of academic progress? Yeah, look, it was a really difficult time for her and um, it was frightening for us to watch her going backwards. But in particular, the seizures were affecting her brain um, and after one really intense grand mal seizure, she couldn't remember how to write her name and couldn't remember the simple tune of how to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star anymore. So we felt like all those years of school that we'd done, we were right back at the beginning again. This must have been a, 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 an incredibly difficult time for thinking about how to then move on with your schooling because, I mean, after having done that for a couple of years, you suddenly think, well, where do we start now? And I think that's what you were just alluding to. You must have been thinking about either repeating years or taking on some coaching or some kind of intervention. How did you come to the conclusion that something like that was going to have to happen in, in, in some form or another? Yeah, unfortunately, um, the medical staff who were amazing, but obviously we didn't, when it comes to children, you just don't stop at anything in getting the best help you can for them. Um, and we just didn't stop until we found the best neurologist in Australia. And he pretty much said to us that, oh, I'm sorry, this is going to be your life. And um, you know, she, he didn't see any way that she would be growing out of this epilepsy that she'd been diagnosed with um, and that she would always struggle to learn. Um, not easy as a parent to hear someone speak that over your child's life. And I asked statistically, you know, what were the chances of her outgrowing this or overcoming this? And he said, very, very slim, but if you need a percentage, you'd be 0.02%. Um, and I guess that's the kind of people we are. We have a lot of faith. And I just said, okay, well, we'll be that percentage then. As you're saying that, I just can't imagine what that would be like listening to a doctor saying that. Did, did you at all think mm. that this was perhaps a, a, a bedside manner problem as well? Or did he, did he communicate it in, in a, a, an effective way to you? I think he was as kind as he could be. And he's an absolutely lovely man. Um, I guess he's just used to seeing this and he is the top specialist for epilepsy in Australia for children, a paediatric specialist in that field and this is what he sees day in, day out and after you've spent quite a few weeks on the neurological ward at Randwick Children's Hospital, you walk out of there with that diagnosis feeling blessed. So when, you, when he says this is something that's going to be your life... What, what did that actually look like? I mean, what was he suggesting there? He was suggesting that um, if not that the seizures would continue, that if we did get them under control, we were using five times the amount of an adult dose of epilepsy medication, which is a doping medication, basically. And so the little girl that we once knew no longer existed. She was, you know, zoned out and um, actually quite aggressive sometimes and for taking that medication she was the sweetest little thing. Um, so our whole family and her two brothers had to adjust to getting used to this new kind of normal as they were calling it um, which we, we 
did our best to accommodate that, but it was really difficult until we got to a point where I just said, we can't live like this anymore. And I needed the help of the specialist to take her off the medication to see what we, whether we had, whether my daughter was still in fact there. And thankfully he listened to me. He did say, look, there's a lot of other medications we can try, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll just slowly go through them. And there was even the trial of um, mesidinol marijuana that was coming in then. And I just said, look, with all due respect and standing on my faith, you can try all of those medications. If coming off her current medication, she goes back to having seizures, then we can try that. But let's give her an opportunity to just go back to normal and see whether she still, in fact, has it or not. And thankfully... Um, she came off and we were on tender hooks and watching her very closely and it's been a year and a half now and she's been medication and seizure free and the specialist is over the moon and told me personally that he loves being wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> um, just uh, pausing there for a moment, you mentioned the uh, the couple of other brothers and the, the new normal that they described that as. How was that affecting mm. them? Was that affecting them with their academic progress as well? Was it a distraction for them? Absolutely it was. Um, and particularly my middle son, who is obviously quite close to his sister, it was really starting to show. It was making him struggle at school. He always struggled to learn a little, um, but it was significantly dropping back because we just didn't have the extra time to put into him because we were always focused on his sister and making sure that she was safe and not having more seizures. So when the, when the decision was made to try and, uh, and reduce the medication or completely, completely come off the medication, did I understand that correctly? She actually completely came off the medication? She completely came off the medication. So that, w- that uh, happened over a period of time, I would, I would imagine? Yeah, it was a very slow weaning process. And so during that time, did you then start to think about what other things you might need to do to try and reverse the the, the, the issue of lost schooling or were you just p- completely focused on trying to find the original child again after the effects of the medication? Yeah, look, we were trialling a lot of things while was on the medication still because... Um, like I said, she couldn't retain even the word in. She could learn how to spell that and within 10 minutes and then it would be gone again. Um, and we knew it was as a result of the medication because, we, well, we just refused to believe that it was a result of the many seizures that she'd had. Um, and so we held on to that and just kept ploughing through and kept looking for ways to help her to learn because we just said, well, every child can find a way to learn. If you can learn to love me, you can learn how to learn. Um, so we were looking even then while she was still on the medication, speaking to a lot of professionals, and we came up with the Fast for Word program. Were there communications or conversations with the school, or did you look for educational consultants in your search for, for the intervention, which then ended up being Fast for Word? I did that individually, looked for myself, and then once I saw that there was small, very small um, progress in that program, I decided to approach the school and became a big advocate for Fast Word, which then resulted in Fast Word becoming implemented into the school for all the kids 
that were really struggling. Um, and now there's a lot of kids in that school who benefit from the program. So there's a lot of tenacity involved in, in doing that kind of research. How did you actually find Fast Forward? I mean, was it as simple as Google? Uh, no, it was speaking to, um, again, I, in my quest for the best of the best, I wanted the best speech therapist to work with to make up for the lost you know, information that was coming in. Um, and it was at that stage, it was a place at Linfield that said, oh, look, this particular speech therapist is not available, but have you heard of the Fast Forward program? Because I lived a fair way away. Um, travel wasn't a problem for me. Again, the tenacity, I was just not going to stop at anything. But when I found out that it was a computer program, I thought, brilliant, great, we can do that at home. Yeah, that does uh, take care of the, the tyranny of distance. So I'm assuming, though, that you would have done a bit of background reading after the suggestion was made? Yes, yes. I looked into a lot of that. I looked into uh, the school in Canada. There was a lot of different things that I explored. Um, but this seemed the most practical without having to move my family overseas. I thought this is something that and I can do and that even her brother could benefit from. Um, and she was benefiting from the program even with the ridiculously heavy medication she was on. So therefore, when she was coming off the medication, we were all the more determined to keep going with the program. In what ways did you see the changes start to happen? How did, it, how did you know that something was changing? Well, the best part about the program is the way it reports back to you and it shows you progress. Um, and, you know, the fact that we could see moving forward, albeit slow, was enough for us to keep going. And did that also come out in her communication with you, in her behaviour, in, in her general relationships with people? Yeah, it was one of her special ed teachers that said to me, Esther, I'm seeing a change in I'm seeing that things that we've struggled on and stayed on for a long time, she's moving past that. And I told her then, um, well, it has to come back to that program because that's the only thing we're really doing. Um, and that's not long after that, that's when I presented it to the school. Did you do that largely at home or was it also done at school? It was done at home to start with, but I was having increasing difficulty getting to do the program because it is very mentally taxing, um, especially when someone was going through what she was going through. And I found that in the school setting, once I'd had it implemented at school, um, that because there was already an environment for learning set up for her and that discipline of having a teacher say, okay, it's time to do your computer program now, um, she would just do it without too much complaint. So when you, when you say that she missed a lot of school, and that was between the ages of seven and nine, where did yes. she actually go back in? At what level did she re-enter a normal school environment? Uh, yeah, she just kept along with her class um, because they were so sweet and supportive of her when she was going through everything. I believed it was really important for her to stay with her peer group. And she's now in another uh, school and we've taken the computer program over with her to that school. And she is in year four, but she is functioning at a year one level. And again, I keep saying, you know, the gap seems to get wider and wider if you keep comparing. But for 
months, this is a significant improvement and we just keep on that learning train and hopefully we catch up. The the, the social interaction then with children of her, of her own age then seems to be okay, I take it. So it's, it's, are we thinking that it's just purely a, an academic difference? So she, she fits in quite okay? Um, she is very well supported at school. Um, and socially, look, she's great. She makes friends very easily. And the kids know that she's not at their level, but they're very accepting of her thank goodness, especially at that age group. I think if this would all happen in high school, it would be a bit different. Mm. Um, but while we still have that positive environment surrounding her, we'll just keep on ploughing on. Is she able to uh, reflect back on her own experience and make the connections between her illness, uh, the seizures that she experienced and the intervention of a program, in this case Fast for Word, and her current situation? Can she join the dots there? Constantly, she constantly says, when I was on the medication, I couldn't do this, and now I can. So she's very self-aware of what it was like to be on, on the medication? Yes, very self-aware, and very much um, as part of her healing process has to verbalise, I wasn't this person when I was on the medication, and now I am, and she's the one who constantly reassures me, that, don't worry mum, I'll catch up, it'll all be okay. So presumably she's got a pretty good attitude towards, uh, towards learning and, and enjoys the program. Incredible attitude towards learning. And just uh, we have a little saying, you know, just to never give up and that you can always do it. And she just keeps quoting that and never gives up. She's amazing. There's some wonderful commentary now coming out of uh, neuroscientific research in terms of... Um, if I can uh, mention the, the book written by Dr. Norman Deutsch, The Brain That Changes Itself, and this is a clear example of a brain wanting to change itself. I can imagine that there might yeah. be listeners uh, on this conversation thinking, well, okay, so you've had some, some remarkable turnarounds and you've had some pretty hard diagnoses from, from specialists, but now things seem to be turning around. You've used our mm. program and it's a computer-based program. Some people can be uh, a little bit skeptical of that and I understand that. So people might be saying, are there any firm conclusions that you can draw between the improvements that you've seen in Fast for Word or do you have any scientific evidence? What's your take on that? Yeah, look, obviously this whole experience has thrown me into researching and I've read that book, The Brain That Changes Itself, and I've done a lot of research with uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf and gone to a lot of her um, seminars where she talks about neuroplasticity and she really is a leader in in that um, field and says based on her scientific research that the brain can change itself. So for me, that was the only words I needed to hear to say, well, that can happen for my daughter. I'm not going to give up and just take this diagnosis, just say this will be my new normal. Do you talk about the idea of the brain changing itself with your daughter? Uh, yeah, we do have a bit of a dialogue that you're in control of your brain and you tell your brain to learn. How has this affected her ability to read? After we came off the medication, there was absolutely no way we could read. Um, and we have very, very slowly made progress, obviously with the use of the program and the help of a tutor um, who helps implement things from the program. Um, 
yeah, we're starting. We're starting to read now, which is very exciting. And I'd love to have this interview in a few years' time and be able to tell you that this is reading and writing with no problems. But I can see it. We can definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, we'll certainly uh, pencil that one in. I'd love to have that interview with you. Uh, is <laughs> is she enjoying the uh, the opportunity to learn how to read? So is it what I mean to say is it's not so much now I can read because before I couldn't, but now I can read and I really like to read. Is that is that what you're seeing now? Yeah, I'm seeing uh, the confidence boost in saying, actually, I'm getting this. This is amazing and I'm making a lot faster progress than what I was on the medication. So, yeah, she's definitely got that eagerness to, to read. What about the future with ongoing medical treatments? Have, have you got any ideas as to how that might pan out? Yeah, look, as far as we're aware, it's completely healed and it's a miracle. That's what we've been told. Um, so we will cross that bridge even when we ever have to come to it. So the healing has taken place and now it's just a matter of doing the, the academic catch-up because of the years lost. It's interesting you say that, actually. I always talk about this healing in two parts. First of all, to have her... Uh, seizure-free and medication-free and, and the disease be gone is significant in itself. But the second part of her healing is to help her to catch up and and restore what was stolen from her over all those years. And how old is she now? My daughter's 10. What does the future look like? I mean, how long do you think that she'll continue with the program? Uh, the future looks like she'll continue with the program for as long as it takes. Or for as long as it can run, I, I presume, as well. Yes. <laughs> and uh, how's, what's, what's her view on, on life now as she, uh, as she looks forward, as she, she looks at... Okay, so she's got a few things in her life. She, she's using the program. She's, she's back at school. As far as she's concerned, she knows that there are issues, but things are looking bright and relatively normal. Um, I'm assuming that that would also be affecting the family in general and, and the two other boys. Um, how's, that, yes. how's all that looking now? As, as you look forward, what are you look, looking forward to? Oh, look, life is sweet on the other side. When you've been through an experience like that, it's like a black cloud is lifted and simple things like the sky never looks so blue and it's just so beautiful to be outside of a hospital room, you know. So we appreciate life so much more on the other side of this and those other things like catching up seem almost, you know, insignificant in comparison to what we've been through. We're grateful to have her, to be able to move forward and to see any bit of progress. We celebrate that. Esther, it's been wonderful to speak with you. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, thank you. I hope I can help others who might be going through something like this to just never give up and keep searching for answers and remember that the brain can change itself. Wonderful. We'll be sure to catch up with you in a couple of years, I'm certain. Fantastic, I'd love that. You've been listening to Learning Capacity, brought to you by LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about Fast for Word and how it might be able to help your child, visit learnfasthome.com.au. Or if you'd like to speak with a specialist, then call in Australia, 1300 203 104. Again, that number in Australia, 1300 203 104. Or if you're calling in New Zealand, the number is 0800 451 959. Again, that New Zealand number, 0800 451 959. 
And if you'd like to hear more stories about how Fast for Word has helped to improve lives, then check out the Learning Capacity archives. You can search for Learning Capacity on iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast is absolutely free. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.